Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bucky's fifth podcast. Jay Kokorowski here early this week, and we got tons of content. It's fun. Uh, love coming back to you guys. Thanks for, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in the past few episodes. Uh, lots of great listens there, and thank you guys for the ratings. Make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, tune in. Uh, make sure you guys t- uh, tune in, not to be punny there, uh, tune in there. And so we're going to kick it off right off the bat because we got another special guest coming on. One, a former Bucky's fifth quarter contributor, and a now written for BadgerBlitz.com, the rival site that covers all things Wisconsin athletics. We got John Veldheis on. John, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. And we're, we brought John on. We're going to do a two-part, uh, part of our 2018 spring position previews. We're going to look at players, obviously, that are here in camp that are will participate starting March 13th. Only a couple weeks away, folks. We are two weeks away. And, and John, let me just tell you, man, I, my mind's blown. Like, I thought we were just done with <laughs> I thought we were just done with football, and I guess I feel like spring football gets uh, gets uh, or comes sooner and sooner every year. It does, it does, and then we got pro day coming up, you know, within that mm-hmm. same week, and and then of course a spring game, uh, you know, on another Friday night from what it looks like on April thirteenth. So it's a non-stop football never ends you know and so uh i mean we'll see if we get you know the xfl back in two years and that and then who knows when they'll play and if we'll see xfl quarterback joel stavi which i'm rooting for uh, <laughs> uh i got ideas i would watch that, that game that'd i would be, uh, that would be a good one. Oh, like okay they bring it okay real quick tangent for everybody bring them bring a team to milwaukee call them the milwaukee crushers named after former awa wrestler the crusher who has a t- statue by the way I think potentially being put up in South Milwaukee. I got to read about that. Uh, so I call them Milwaukee Crushers. Bring back the hometown boy in Joel Stave. Boom, you got stories, and I'm seeing dollar signs. Would his uh, would his XFL um, uh, nickname like on the back of his jersey? It, it has to be like Sunshine, right? It would have to be. It would have to be. Or, or goat, like like you know, in all caps, G O A T. <laughs> exactly. John knows what I'm talking about here. Winningest quarterback in Wisconsin history, Joel Stave. <laughs> and so uh, I digress. What we'll talk about uh, today, and I'm really excited to, to have John on the show, and obviously he's a former Bucky's fifth quarter contributor. We're, with our position previews, we're going to look at first outside linebackers and, and a lot of change from the position coach down to the you know, down to just you know who's going to who could potentially contribute and. You know, we're going to talk about them first, uh, and then we'll talk about the wide receiver position later in the show. But, John, you know, John talking first, you know, we do this in our four-down territory format. And, you know, we're talking first down, general overview, and who's gone. Gone is Tim Tibisar. Gone are the two starters in Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs. And in comes, you know, Bobby April the third who's got some uh, NFL coaching lineage, uh, not just himself, but his father. And, you know, now you're looking at the fact of Andrew Van Ginkle really is that, you know, he had a breakout year as a reserve outside linebacker. Uh, he's, you know, him and, and there are, there's some potential. There's a lot of talent here, but it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this group and, and how they grow underneath an, a new position coach and Bobby April 3rd uh, heading into the spring. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's going to be a really interesting position to watch in the spring, just because whenever you, you know, have two starters, um, 
you know, that you have to replace and two guys that have played as much, you know, college football as, uh, you know, Leon Jacobs and Garrett Dooley uh, did in their careers for the Badgers. Obviously they, they left some pretty big shoes for, uh, for the younger players to fill uh, now that they're off to uh, pursue, you know, careers in the NFL. And it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's interesting that you know the, they're going through this transition on the on the player side. You know the the transition with the on the coaching side with the, you know like you said Bobby April coming in to replace Tim Tibisar. So I, I'm very, I'm going to be watching this position very closely. Um, I think one more one position is more interesting than the other just because um, you know I thought that Van Ginkle had a really great in, in particular probably last uh, you know four or five games for the Badgers at the end of the season in 2017. I mean, he was, he was making all sorts of big plays, um, you know, but whether it was uh, you know, some interceptions uh, in the, the big 10 title game or uh, in the orange bowl, or just you know, some big sacks, big plays. Um, he was, he was kind of all over the place. And, you know, he'd had his athletic you know, ability flash throughout the season, whether it was, you know, on um, I believe special teams or, you know, chasing down guys from the other side of the field. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to step in to one of those starting spots and, uh, and, you know, play pretty well, I think, because he, you know, we, he, we've got a full season's worth of, uh, uh, of tape uh, to watch on him. And I, I think he really acquitted himself well jumping up from a junior college level to, uh, you know, playing for the Badgers as a reserve last year. Absolutely. And, you know, he'll have to replace Dooley, who's, you know, and Jacobs, both of who will be at the NFL Combine. And later on in the show, too, is a great segue. We'll talk with Owen Reese, uh, our kind of NFL draft expert, our scout, uh, who was down at the Senior Bowl uh, watching Garrett Dooley uh, as, and Troy Fumagalli. But we'll talk with Owen in just a little bit about the chances of Dooley and Jacobs, who, by the way, looks like a freak. If you've seen the Exos photo on Twitter or Leon Jacobs, I think actually on his Instagram page uh, showed the picture of him. And it's, I mean, it's his, I remember watching him, uh, you know, just in practice, but also, you know, talking with him post game, you know, and seeing the muscles upon muscles. Uh, it was, it was kind of funny where like he patted me on the shoulder, like, Hey, thanks man. And patted me on the shoulder, I fell over almost because it's just, uh, it's Leon Jacobs. <laughs> Uh, and so I'm, he's a big dude. He is. So we'll we'll talk with Owen in just a little bit about uh, what you know. What should we expect? We may play a fun game of over and under for how many times Leon Jacobs bench presses 225 pounds. I'm going to say about 40, but that's uh, but um, I'm still working on that. Uh, but back to you know Andrew Van Ginkle. You know, uh, I think you know our second down part of this big name to watch right like i always look for this I, I think in my opinion it's andrew van giggle because he has to replace what Dooley and jacobs did which is a combined 11 sacks a combined 21 and a half tackles for loss and, and uh, you know and you like you mentioned he had the the big end of the year that pick six against ohio state the you know what he did against miami uh with that as well and uh you know it is a it, it's going to be interesting to see how he progresses, but you know, uh, and, and we'll talk about who else to watch later on. But is he the big name to watch in your opinion for the spring, or is there another name that that you know a big name to watch in this position group? I mean, I think he's going to be the the big name at the position um, in the season overall. But in the spring, just as we're trying to watch, uh, you know, and see what the what the depth chart looks like, and you know, who's fighting for what job. Um, I guess I'm I'm probably going to be concentrating more on. Uh, the other outside linebacker spot, just because that that one seems to be a little more up in the air. Um, there's a whole host of guys that 
you know, you could see competing for, um, for playing time. I don't know. It's hard to say you know, who's going to be available in the spring, um, you know, from a health perspective, but, um, right off the top of my head, uh, you have Tyler Johnson who played as a reserve, uh, outside linebacker in 2017, played in most of Wisconsin's games, uh, had a few big plays, uh, you know, from when he was on the field. So I think he's probably going to be the guy that gets the first crack at that. Um, but you know, you also have somebody like, um, you know, uh, Zach Bond, who, uh, you know, was injured for all of, uh, 2017. He was injured in, I, I believe it was like right early in fall camp or, um, maybe later in fall camp. I mean, like it, it was the point where he missed the whole season yep. and he was somebody that, you know, people thought that, uh, he could, he could help them as a reserve last year. I mean, he wasn't going to, uh, challenge for a starting spot, but, um, you know, I, I think the Badgers thought that, you know, he was going to be a contributor last year. And so, you know, if he's healthy and recovered from from his leg injury, um, you know, he could he's somebody that could definitely jump in there and grab some playing time. And then, you know, you have younger guys like uh, you know, say a, a Noah Burks, or you know, again, uh, assuming health, um, you know, a, a Mason uh, Stokey, uh, just to see, uh, you know, if one of those younger guys can kind of step in and you know maybe they you know become the third outside linebacker or somebody like that. I mean, there's there's a lot of bodies at that second spot, and so. You know, with the, with it being the spring, you know, if, if any of those guys aren't a hundred percent healthy or you know they're they're still recovering, the Badgers aren't going to push them. But if they're healthy, I mean, th- this is the time to you know really go out and grab some of those reps and see if you can earn yourself a bigger job uh, when fall camp rolls around. Yeah, I'm here with John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com, Rivals.com Network. And, of course, you can find him on Twitter at John, J-O-H-N, Veldhuis, V-E-L-D-H-U-I-S. And, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued by Tyler Johnson. He had that, that strip sack against Illinois, uh, you know, a walk-on, and, and, you know, had two t- tackles for loss in, in that sack, uh, two forced fumbles on the year. You mentioned Zach Bond, and he had told us uh, on Bucky's fifth quarter about uh, back uh, for the article I did about the Badgers and their pups, about just how he was he was getting back into it during winter conditioning and was hoping to be back. His goal was to be back for spring ball, and that, that'll be a big thing for him to, to get back in and, and get those reps underneath a new uh, you know, outside linebackers coach. And, you know, Christian Bell is another one. You know, you said Noah Burks, uh, who will be a redshirt sophomore, but, you know, Christian Bell, too, and how he play, you know, steps up. He played in eight games this, this past season. And, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see how they – uh, how, how they look. I mean, is there, I guess, you know, you've mentioned a bunch of the names, you know, our third down segment, you know, who are, who will you, I mean, in your opinion, out of those, just out of those few, is there one to watch in particular that you're looking at? I think, well, I, I think from a, um, a talent perspective and, you know, assuming that he's you know healthy enough and has progressed enough, um, I think uh, Vaughn is probably the guy that I'm I'm going to be watching. Uh, I feel like he probably would have been, you know, the the fourth um, outside linebacker this last year, behind obviously your two starters and then uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. And so, you know, if you can get him onto the field, I feel like he could be a difference maker. And I, I mean, just from the you know the reps that we've seen of him, you know, in in the the preseason and you know off season practices. I mean, he's looked good at times. It's just been. You know, he just hasn't had a chance to get onto the field and uh, and stay healthy and contribute that way. So if he could 
you know, like you were saying, get back and be ready for spring. Um, I think that would, uh, you know, be a, uh, a good chance for him to, you know, really kind of get back into the swing of things and, uh, you know, maybe grab a, grab a hold on that job, uh, that he was, you know, kind of in the mix for, um, at this time last year. And, you know, if he's not, if he's not healthy or not able to go, then, you know, it's like what I was saying before, that's a good chance for somebody like a, you know, say a Tyler Johnson to, you kind of get all of those first team reps, you know, if you can hold on to that spot and see if you can develop yourself a little bit. Right. Now we're going to go into our uh, fourth down sleeper to watch. Who do you got? Uh, and even if it's a kid that needs to, you know, like spring ball is always that time where they can gain momentum to, to, you know, so they can go into fall camp with that, you know, to earn more reps. Who's your sleeper out of the group? Well, I mean, I guess he's still, um, I guess he's still pretty young, uh, but I don't know. I, I guess, uh, I, and, and I think it, it, during his recruitment, I guess he was kind of a, a flex guy. They were kind of waiting to see how his, his body developed. But, uh, Isaiah Green May is somebody that I'm kind of curious to see what he looks like. Um, you know, he, um, I, I believe he enrolled early last year and, yep. you know, it's, uh, it, you know, getting that second spring is always a good kind of a measuring time uh for for anybody what you know no matter if they you know just had the red shirt year or if they you know enrolled early and then ended up playing for some reason or, or something like that and so yeah, after being in the program for a year i, I remember you know, meeting and, and talking with with green may last year and um you know what stood out to you is that he's got this huge frame but he really just needed to add on some muscle and uh you know, pick up some weight and so i'm curious to see you know, what a year in the in the program will have done for him because you know it, maybe not this year but down the line I feel like he definitely at least has the athletic potential to be a contributor uh, assuming that you know the the work in the weight room goes well too. Yeah, right now he's listed at six six two seventeen, and that was according to the official weigh-ins or whatever the, the recorded weight-in that they had right before the season began. And so, yeah, it'll be right. interesting to see how much they, what comes out in the next couple of weeks regarding the roster and, and how much he's grown on that note, we're going to take just a quick break, come back. We've been talking outside linebackers. We're going to talk what Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs could potentially do in Indianapolis uh, this upcoming weekend in the NFL uh, Scouting Combine. We'll talk with Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter in just a second on Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Thanks to John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com, the Rivals Network, joining us to kick off Bucky's fifth podcast. We're already almost nearing 10 episodes, which is crazy. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you guys subscribe, obviously, on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. And now, looking ahead, you know, we had talked about outside linebackers and Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs heading to the NFL. Uh, and trying, obviously, and that leads us into our next segment, segment. This weekend, they will be participating in the NFL Scouting Combine from Indianapolis. And though he's not in Indianapolis, we have Owen Reese here, our B5Q writer. You also see him on Acme Packing Company. And Owen, you were down in Mobile just, gosh, it's like about a month ago already. Time flies, you know, and you got to see Garrett Dooley. But now you have six other Badgers that will be in Indianapolis 
uh, for the scouting combine and, you know, who, who will be there from what you know. And, uh, you know, big, I mean, obviously it's a big thing to have over a handful of Badgers going in front of however many NFL personnel and, you know, and trying to state their case as to why they should be playing on Sundays. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially uh, I understand the circumstances were a little different, but if you look at from when Paul Chris took over the program uh, at the end of the 2014, 15 season, uh, his first year they had Joe Schobert at the combine and Joel Stavi there as a throwing quarterback. And I believe I've been wrong before. Oh, no, Tyler Merritt's too. They had three guys at the combine. Um, so I think if you look at, at how far this program has come, even from a, uh, a depth standpoint, um, obviously with some of these guys are a little different. Uh, Jamerson's a one-year starter. Dooley and Jacobs are really de facto one-year starters. Uh, Nick Nelson, a transfer. But I think it's a big testament to what uh, the Badgers are, are able to do. They're known as a development program, um, even getting some pieces that uh, really should should impress. Um, and then, obviously, a couple of the guys like uh, Sitchi and Fumagalli being former walk-ons. So um, I think it's a good statement of the program as to where they're at talent-wise, depth-wise, and, and uh, a testament, really, to the coaching and the development that the staff's able to do. Right, and, you know, as you broke down, there will be six Badgers there at the Scout NFL Scouting Combine this weekend. You got Garrett Dooley and Leon Jacobs outside linebackers, tight end Troy Fumagalli, inside linebacker Jack Sitchi. Now, and and as our friends on the Joe and Evo show when they interviewed Jack uh, about a month ago, now he stated that he was going to be doing the bench press and then medical evaluations. Uh, so he will be there, but he won't be obviously doing the full reps, uh, sort of similar to what it sounds like. Ryan Ramchick did when he was part of the Saints. And, uh, you know, and then you have Natrell Jamerson, the safety who won defensive MVP at the East-West Shrine game. And going into the, you know, let's talk, even just take a step back. And uh, you're, you're our NFL scout guy. You're our NFL draft guru on Bucky's fifth quarter. You know, which combine workouts are more important than others, in your opinion? Um, <clears throat> I guess from a standpoint of, the headliners are probably uh, Nick Nelson, the cornerback, and Troy Fumagalli, the tight end. Those are the more well-known names. Uh, Fumagalli, at least, has been a, f- a few-year producer and one of the more marquee-named tight ends. Nick Nelson, uh, only really playing one year in Wisconsin. He was here on a transfer year uh, in 2016, but um, unable to play due to the transfer rules. So I think he's kind of being found now. I've seen a couple of mainstream uh, draft analysts really start to pick up on him a little later in the process. He's not one of the big marquee names coming into the year because he hadn't played bat football in a year. So um, saw a couple clips of him running down J.K. Dobbins. People are concerned about his his 40 time and what he's going to run. Uh, I believe it was Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. does a podcast with Matt Miller. Um, had a video of him running down J.K. Dobbins on one of his long runs. And he said, well, I don't know exactly what he's going to run, but J.K. Dobbins isn't slow, and Nelson came from the far side of the field and ran him down. So um, I think it'll be those two in particular. Uh, and then Leon Jacobs, uh, too. I know it's kind of become a Twitter joke about how <clears throat> um, I know Garrett Dooley told um, FanRag Sports' John Ledyard that uh, Jacobs was made in a lab somewhere. Um, and I, <laughs> when he made that comment, when John told me about that, 
Um, I always kind of thought of like Mewtwo in Pokemon. He was just developed in this lab, and he's just this this superior uh, physical being. And um, I think he, if you look at him, there's a picture circulating on Twitter. He's not small. Um, he's got a bodybuilder physique uh, in every sense of the word. And I think that's something where he's going to show up. They're going to do the draft coverage, and Mike Mayock is going to make a comment about how big he is because he is that big. He's around 245, 250 pounds, and there's not a shred of fat on him. Uh, and that's something where Mayock's going to make a comment, and then people are going to start to um, become a little more aware of Leon Jacobs. He was a re- recruited. He was a three-star recruit. He was recruited as a linebacker by Wisconsin, but he was recruited as a running back by Penn State. So I think that has to show um, – some type of physical profile. I think he's going to run pretty well. He'll probably be in the four six range, somewhere in there. Um, he's a one year starter, uh, rotated in at inside linebacker as a junior. Started his junior year as a fullback, played inside and outside linebacker his first two years at UW. So, uh, really, someone who finally found a home coming into his senior year. I think he's going to test through the roof. Um, I think he's going to put himself on the radar. I guess I'm not going to say that he's going to come out and 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 be a second or third round pick or anything because I don't think that's the case. But Leon Jacobs in particular, he's going to be the guy that nobody knows about um, outside of Wisconsin fans or some of the more very diehard draft, uh, draft analysts who have really been through 150, 200 players already. Uh, Jacobs is going to be the guy that's going to splash. And I think I expect a big number of the bench press. I expect him to run a 4-6. He's going to look phenomenal, and I expect him to do pretty well in the jumps. I don't know about the the, uh, the agility drills, but um, I expect him to jump pretty well, and, and I expect him to make himself some money this upcoming week here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm here with Owen Reese from Bucky's Fifth Quarter Acme Packing Company, and uh, you know, Owen, you know, you kind of ran down what you know the who could have the big the big days or who to watch for, you know, uh, from the Wisconsin standpoint. But even to you know, I, maybe I had a bad question on my end or i phrased it wrong but like in in general for you know uh previously with with combine workouts in general like you know in combine uh, drills or maybe that's a better word to use like which like the 40 yard dash the bench press uh whatnot the the vertical jumps or the broad jumps are there some combine drills or you know or you know workouts there that are more important than the others in your opinion i mean obviously i mean we had we saw joel Stavi run what a four seven four eight forty yard dash there's a 4 8 40 yard dash uh, a couple years back. Uh, so, you know, in your opinion, do you feel like, you know, obviously you see, uh, I mean, what other, what drills should fans really be be watching? Uh, it's kind of scheme dependent, but yeah, absolutely. There are some drills that are a little more important. Uh, unless you play offensive line or defensive line or maybe outside linebacker, the bench press doesn't really matter. Uh, you're going to see a wide receiver or a running back. <sighs> throw up four or five reps and, and people are going to say, wow, that's really low, but it's not a really uh, a transferable drill for them. I think any type of skill position, the defensive backs, running backs, wide receivers, even an offensive and defensive line to an extent, you're going to look at that three cone drill, um, which are some people call it the L drill. That's a big one for change of direction. Um, and then you're going to look at for explosive athleticism, like the broad, and uh, vertical jumps. I think those are the pretty good indicators of how uh, physically explosive someone can be. Um, and, and a lot of teams weight that pretty heavily. Uh, I know certain teams like like uh, Atlanta in particular, the Falcons over the past couple of years have put a ton of stock in their early picks in the 
uh, three cone and broad jumps. Now they're, they'll, they'll come out and say, and Thomas Dimitrov said this today, uh, he's like, well, obviously we don't just look at prospects for that, but um, prospects that perform very well in those are often very likely to be very athletic, and, and they've had some success with that. So uh, I think if you're a linebacker like Dooley or Jacobs, uh, the 40-yard dash is somewhat important. Um, bench press will definitely be important just from a functional strength standpoint. And then you're looking at three cone um, and, and the jumps. I think you want someone who's very uh, explosive on the edge, obviously, and, and someone who can change direction quickly and be a pass rusher. So those are important. Uh, probably most important of the Badgers uh, would be the 40-yard dash for the defensive backs. I think um, Jamerson and Nelson both need to run well. I think they both will run pretty well. Uh, but those two will be the most important. Them and, and the, the uh, agility drills. Um, not too many NFL coaches are going to care how many times Natrell Jamerson or Nick Nelson throw up 225 pounds on the bench press. But uh, they're a bit posi- position specific, excuse me. But um, for the most part, the the agility drills and the jumps are probably, if I had to, to narrow it down, the two more um, transferable athletic areas that you can really see that um, you can either use to, to justify or make you go back and revisit your evaluations and say, this guy didn't look that athletic on film and he tested really well. Maybe I need to look again or vice versa. So um, those are the ones to really look out for. I think if the Badgers perform well in the, the agility drills and the uh, the jumps, you can forgive some on the 40-yard dash and, and depending on the position, you can be a little lenient on the bench press as well. Hey, we're here with Owen Reese, and and if you guys didn't chance did not get a chance to look at his Twitter profile, you go to Reese Draft R I E S E Draft, and you saw him put up 27 reps on 225. Uh, you know, with something that I am jealous of. So congratulations on that, good sir, uh, for some uh, combine Twitter uh, goodies there, my friend. Yeah, I wanted to get something out there. I I, I did play offensive line at Division three, so. Um, while I have a little bit of a background in that, both of my knees are torn up, so I don't really lift legs anymore. So, uh, been able to, uh, kind of focus on that and really be good at something that really has, uh, no bearing on any part of my life anymore. But, <laughs> um, yeah, something to do. Yeah. And, and on that note, uh, when you look at looking at the Badgers, I mean, you already talked about who could have, you know, could really help their stock. You know, he's talking about Leon Jacobs. He's talked about Nick Nelson and his, his speed. And you're looking at, you know, I think a guy like Latrell Jamerson, I'm really intrigued. You talked about bench press. Maybe the scouts aren't looking that much at a safety that can bench press a lot. But he did bench press 405 prior to fall camp last year. He, and he told me at media day last fall, it was last July, late July, that he had squatted 555. So he's a he's a physical specimen right there. It should be interesting to see how he how he performs in Indianapolis in front of all those scouts, uh, especially as the first year as a safety. And uh, I thought he was underrated as a player, to be honest with you. But uh, I guess, you know, let's get to the point where, you know, uh, real quick before we get into who could be the first Badger drafted, Troy Fumagalli. And I know that a lot of people talked about you. you we've talked about him. Uh, one of our first episode, we had uh, Trevor, uh, Trevor Sekama, uh from uh, pewterreport.com on. We talked with him about you know what you guys both saw to Troy uh, and Garrett Dooley and, and, and how where do you expect Troy to run or even not even run but put up numbers or agility drills like where do you see him possibly this uh, how he performs and, and will it hurt or or how much could he help his stock with what he does in Indianapolis this weekend I think probably with Troy more so than any 
Um, obviously, other than than Jack Sitchie, who won't really be working out and is really working on tape from two years ago uh, for evaluation's sake, I think Troy Fumagalli has the least amount to gain uh, from the combine. He's a former walk-on, which is very cool that he did that, and it's a very cool college story, and Wisconsin's program is built on a lot of walk-ons. And some walk-ons in the past, like Joe Schobert uh, and Jim Leonard, among others, have been very athletic Um Troy Fumagalli is not a very outstanding athlete, and I think that's something we talked about on the first episode of this podcast, uh, that Trevor and I, he just struggled to separate in man-to-man coverage against defensive backs because he's just not very fast, and that's not be, that's not me being mean to Troy Fumagalli. That's not calling him a bad football player. Uh, it's just a matter of fact that in the NFL, he won't be running away from very many of the people that, he's covered, that are covering him. So... Um, I don't think he's going to run very well. I think he'll run somewhere in the 4.8 or 4.9 range, and that's completely okay. He's going to be an inline tight end in the NFL. Um, he's going to be a, a blocker foremost, also with, with very steady hands. So um, I think that Troy Fumagalli is someone who I expect to go somewhere around the fourth round. I think that he's someone that um, – if you're drafting Troy Fumagalli, it's not because he's a phenomenal athlete. And I think that's something that's just pretty – I know I've called him – he's one of the more simple evaluations in this draft class. He's a very good inline tight end. He's a very smart player, and he's very good at, at using his body to shield the ball from defenders and, and position himself well. And that's what he does. That's where he wins, and that's what he does. Troy Fumagalli doesn't try to be anything that he's not, and I think that's something to his benefit. Uh, but I think, like I said, I, out of everyone – in the, in the combine from Wisconsin, I think Troy Fumagalli has the least amount to gain, and that's not a knock on him. Um, I think he's, he's just, he is very much what he is, and that's what we've seen at Wisconsin over the past two to three years, and I think that's what NFL teams are expecting to see in Indianapolis. And then uh, on that note, two more questions before we let you go for the night. Uh, first Badger, based on what could happen, pre-combine who do you think the first badger drafted would be are you looking at a guy like nelson possibly or uh could someone else like a jamerson if he has a good workout jump in Uh, i mean what are your thoughts when it comes to uh, you know a player you know the players that are the badgers that are potentially on the board um unless garrett dooley really explodes which i know he talked on the the zone she talked about earlier this week or earlier uh, talked earlier this week a couple days ago excuse me that um he felt as though that the Wisconsin scheme didn't always showcase his athleticism, which isn't a knock on the scheme. Uh, it's just a reality of what he was asked to do. So I know he's excited to uh, sh- showcase his athleticism. Um, unless he really explodes and really uh, really elevates his stock, I know Justice Mosqueda from Setting the Edge and Bleacher Report has talked about he expects Dooley to maybe be a guy that um, throughout this process is a riser. He performed well at the Senior Bowl. Um, and he's got, uh, an intriguing skill set from the point that he's not a very developed rusher. So I think that's something that if he really shows some athleticism, uh, maybe something that scouts aren't really associating with his game, uh, that would be beneficial for him. Uh, but I think probably my guess before and after the combine, like I said, unless something weird really happens is going to be Nick Nelson. Uh, cornerback is the most highly in demand position in the NFL right now, just due to how offenses are ran and, um, he's pretty good. So I think his skill sets can be in pretty high demand. I think if he runs real well, he could maybe run his way into the late second round, but probably third round range. Um, and even if he doesn't, he's another one of those guys that, 
Um, you don't expect to run super fast, so if he does, then cool. But if he doesn't, I don't think it hurts him a ton. So um, I think if if I had to put money on it today, um, I think Nick Nelson before and after the combine is the first Badger drafted, uh, probably come day two of the draft. And uh, just finishing up here with Owen Reese here on Bucky's fifth podcast. Again, make sure you see his bench pressing video as well as all his draft and uh, scouting report insight on Reese draft on the, on Twitter. Uh, real quick, we're going to do this just about Leon Jacobs about like a running bet about how many, bet, how many reps of 225 he's going to get. And I'm going to say 40 to start off, but uh, let's expand this a little bit further. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, drills that are run at the combine in Indianapolis. I'm going to go through each of them for you. Tell me which badger you think will do the best on each. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. 40 yard dash. Natrell Jamerson. I'll go Jamerson as well. I think that, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good one right there. Bench press, uh, Jacobs. I would agree. Leon Jacobs. Yeah. Vertical jump. Natrell Jamerson. Broad jump. Natrell Jamerson. <laughs> uh, three cone drill. Nick Nelson. And shuttle run. Or the six or the the five ten five or the sixty yard shuttle. Uh, five ten five. Ooh, um. Probably Jamerson. I I don't mean to cop out, but he is he's someone that um. Wasn't a super highly recruited kid out of high school. He was a three-star recruit coming out of Florida uh, and switched around. He came to Wisconsin as a receiver, got switched to cornerback out of necessity, um, returned a kick for a touchdown against Maryland his, his uh, sophomore year. So I think he's someone that he <clears> – <throat> Nick Nelson can propel himself a little bit, uh, probably maybe, like I said, possibly into the late second round, but probably the third round range. I think Natrell Jamerson has the most to gain. Uh, he and Leon Jacobs should both perform pretty well. Uh, but I think Jamerson is someone who Leon Jacobs is kind of known. Um, he's not a he's not a mainstream name by any means, but some draft guys kind of know him. Unless you were in the Shrine game, um, unless you were down there, Jamerson was very much an afterthought in this Badger defense, mostly because he did his job so well that he was never out of position. He was never beaten. Um, he's kind of a late in the process guy. He was a late bloomer. He's a one year starter. He changed positions in college. He can do a whole lot of things. Uh, but hasn't been asked to do any particular one for very long. So I think he's a really good athlete, and I think that um, he's really going to make himself some money. It wouldn't be surprise me. I, I've, I've gone on records t- saying this. I think Natrell Jamerson is one of the best special teams players in this draft. Uh, we've seen that at Wisconsin over the past couple of years. He's an excellent gunner. Uh, like I said, he has return experience. I think someone – he's – to compare him, um, Justin Bethel with the Arizona Cardinals got drafted in the fifth or sixth round. Um, as a defensive back out of Division II Bethel College, and that's something where I think that he's been known, he's been voted to multiple Pro Bowls as a special teams player. And I think that's something that Natrell Jamerson um, has the experience doing, and I think that that's, he's going to have an 8- to 10-year NFL career based off of the special teams. Um, anything he gives you as a defensive back or if he returns kicks as a bonus, but I think he's that good at special teams. I think he's going to stick in the NFL. Um and like I said, some of the guys in the Shrine game think he has some developmental ability to, to maybe even stick as a full-time, uh, maybe a rotational or a nickel defensive back. But um, I think he has the most to gain at the Combine. And I think that 
Um, he's a very soft-spoken guy, as you and I know, and he doesn't make a ton of noise on the field. Um, like I said, it's kind of his role. A lot of the front seven guys get a lot of that pub for taking care of that. But I think Natrell Jamerson is going to be someone who people are going to know his name after this week uh, that probably didn't know it coming into it. Yeah, I agree. Natrell Jamerson really has that opportunity, I think, to make a big impact. Uh, I think he'll be a sleeper in the draft along with Jacobs. Could turn some heads in Indianapolis this weekend. And Owen, uh, I've already pubbed you on Twitter a little bit. What else can we expect from you at near uh, the various publications that you write for? Uh, yeah, so um, for our Bucky's fifth quarter, I will start uh, pretty quickly here putting together individual scouting reports for all the seniors um, and Nick Nelson uh, for the draft guys. Um, I'm going to do some position previews. I think as of right now, I'm signed up for offensive line and defensive line and maybe the outside linebackers, maybe. I'm not yes. sure. Yep, so, yep, yep. Um, yep. Expect, that, expect that to come pretty quickly. Uh, we're going to start getting those coming up pretty quick. Start talking the NFL draft on Acme Packing Company pretty quickly. Um, and looking to possibly put out some stuff. I'll be working with Cheesehead TV. Uh, they have their Packers-specific draft guide. Um, I'm going to do fullbacks and H-backs for them. So be on the lookout for that, as well as some um, – been working on some of my own stuff as far as just football scheme uh, posts. Some um, I know we've talked about it, but like defensive fronts for dummies type of stuff like that where just more basic knowledge of the game that um, doesn't get too, too into uh, the X's and O's and, and overcomplicate things, but just to – some easy ways to identify things and, and um, maybe look past some of the things that you hear on TV that aren't necessarily accurate every week, but um, just some little things to know, little info for the casual fan that maybe makes you a little smarter when you watch on Sundays. Um, so a little bit of everything. I got a lot of, a uh, lot of irons in the fire in multiple different places. So um, I don't know how much I can promise uh, on a given week weekly basis or anything it might be a few articles in a week and then not anything for a couple but um definitely got some stuff coming up it's my, it's my favorite time of the year jake i've told jake this when i was little um i would buy madden and not play the games i would just do for fantasy drafts and then the draft and free agency and stuff so this is <laughs> my favorite time of the year this is kind of what i look forward to every year so um excited to get started on that Bucky's fifth podcast. You just heard Owen Reese talk some NFL Combine uh, and see which former Badgers how they could perform over in Indianapolis. And then also, folks, you know, we talked to John Veldheis before at the start of the show, talking about some outside linebackers. We're going to talk with him in just a little bit to wrap up the show, talking about the wide receivers going into the 2018 spring camp. And before that, though, obviously. We got basketball still going on, right? Uh, and you saw yesterday we recorded on a Tuesday night, uh, and this will probably drop on Wednesday night. So a couple days ago, you saw the Big Ten uh, all-conference teams being named, uh, and you're now joined by Drew Hom uh, with our weekly Big Roast. And Drew, you know, Ethan Happ, first team by the media, second team by the coaches, and then you had – uh, Brad Davidson being named uh, to the all-freshman team. Anything that really stood out to you, uh, not just with who was who represents Wisconsin in this, but also 
looking broadly as for these awards? Uh, I think it's exciting that a couple of players on Wisconsin were recognized as uh, top performers in the league despite having a, a really down year. Ethan Happ was still great despite being frustrating at times. And, I mean, Brad Davison was wonderful. Just imagine next year when he's got all of his shoulders and hips ready to uh, ready to roll. I think that's pretty sweet for him. Uh, as far as players that made the team, or no, in this case, didn't make the team, I think it's pretty hilarious. I was uh, over at our sister blog, The Hammer and Rails, which uh, covers Purdue, and down in the comments there, everybody was freaking out that Dakota Matthias was not named to any all-conference team. And they were like, well, he's the most valuable player on the team, and he's the one who does everything. And that makes me think that they haven't watched a single Purdue game all year because Carson Edwards is clearly their best player. And then Isaac Haas is eight feet tall, so he's probably going to make uh, an all-conference team. <laughs> and then Vincent Edwards is also – like. Dakota Matthias might be their worst starter. I, Purdue fans should really be panicking about how their team is doing <laughs> if they think Dakota Matthias is the best player on the team. Yeah, I mean, I've got a chance to watch Carson Edwards in person, you know, in that upset win, and he was impressive. And, and just well, you know, obviously just watching him throughout the season, like he, he, I think he's up there. Vincent, da- Vincent Edwards, same thing. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Isaac Haas, who – you know, Wisconsin contained him for most of the season, but he still is a is a huge factor that you know and in, in whatnot. So yeah, I, I agree with you there. And you know, anything else out of that out of this these uh, these teams? You know, you saw you know the freshman of the year go to Jaron Jackson from Michigan State, which obviously you saw that length uh, against Wisconsin, and that'll segue into our next segment coming up about Wisconsin's loss to Michigan State on uh, on Senior Day on Sunday. Uh, but anything else that really stood out to you from this group? I mean, Jaron Jackson is such a, a cool player. I'm excited to see him play in the NBA. He's kind of a, a prototypical center now in the NBA. He's almost seven feet tall. He can shoot a little, but he plays really great defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the, interested to see where he ends up. I mean, yeah, look at he's defensive defensive player of the year plus freshman of the year. So that's, I mean, that's that's huge, right there. And I'm not, I don't think anyone's surprised Chris Holtman what he's done at Ohio State, and uh, they are the. No, that was obvious. Uh, yeah, that was obvious. And now they're the number two seed in the Big Ten tournament. But before we even talk about the tournament, uh, Wisconsin had that 49-47 lead with about 7:18 left after Nate Reavers hit those two free throws ultimately lose the lead and then the game in a 68-63 loss to Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans now ranked number 1 uh in the conference heading into the Big 10 tournament uh, which starts Wednesday uh and like I said we'll drop this on Wednesday night so probably we'll we'll start talking about this about the Thursday ma- the potential Thursday matchups uh, and and whatnot too, but before we even get into that, the you know it, again coming close in this team, you can see the improvement there. Obviously, you want the win. You, you talked to Brad Davison having uh, after the game, and obviously having that 30 point performance on a bad shoulder again, dislocating it. Hashtag just a flesh wound, coming back and then you know just going off at one point, scoring 11 points uh, straight and 13 of the team's 15 at, within one stretch. Really, 
you're seeing the team, and even just, you know, I like what I saw. I'm seeing out of Khalil Iverson on the defensive end. Brevin Pritzel is contributing uh, both on both, you know, the defensive side with rebounds. I think he had a team, nine, a team high nine along with just, uh, the, you know, his point total too. So, no, it's I think this, you know, it's a loss, but you're seeing that progress, especially against the number two team in the nation, and it's something that, Winners of four of their last six. It's a it's a solid sign heading into now facing Maryland uh, coming up on Thursday morning. Yeah, I mean Brad Brad Davison was transcendent on Sunday against against the Spartans. Thirty points. Nice work against the, against the. Thank you. I, uh, I I don't know if anybody knows this, but I went to, to private school, so uh, <laughs> no, no big deal. Uh, Thirty points with a bum shoulder and hip pointers against the best team in the conference is just uh, that's craziness right there. I'm so excited to see him next year. I need to give a shout out to Charles Thomas, who played really well in limited action. I uh, get really frustrated with him, but he played well. I think he scored five or six points. Six points. I mean, that's probably the most points he's scored in months, and that's great. Hap didn't shoot very well, but he, you know, was his usual self filling up the stat sheet in different columns. Can we talk for a second about uh, Cassius Winston from yes, Michigan State? Absolutely. Do you know what his Do you know what his three point uh, field goal percentage is on the season? Uh, without looking it up, I don't know. Without looking it up, I know he was six of six on Sunday, and his, I mean, in that stretch where they took the lead, he took, I mean, two, he had two big three pointers to extend a get a sizable lead that Michigan state never extinguished uh, on Sunday. But what is the, that percentage? So he was, you know, he shot a hundred percent against the Badgers on Sunday and his season total isn't that much lower. He leads the country shooting 56.5% from a uh, three point <laughs> land. Wow. Like, are you fucking serious? I'm, uh, are we allowed <laughs> to curse on here? I don't know if I've ever uh, done It's, it's a family-related show. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We're, we're fine there. I'm yeah. sorry. We'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll forget that happened. But are you serious? He makes more – like, his percentage of three-pointers is higher than Ethan Happ's free-throw percentage. Yeah. That's that's a fair call-out. And, yeah, I mean, talk about Happ, you know, with what he had to – I mean, he was, what, one of five from the line on, on Sunday and then – uh, only scored 13 points. I, you mentioned he filled up the rest of the stats, but he, yeah, it's uh, he missed some shots. Yeah, you talk about Cassius Winston. It's it, it, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, on that team and what he's been able to do. And, you know, Greg Gard complimented him after the game about that. As well he should have. Yeah, for that three-point shooting. So, it, you know, you see why Michigan State is one of the top teams in, in the, you know, in the nation, not just the conference, because of, that depth that they have and Hap credited, you know, Spartans and, and how they defended him as well, because you know, he tried getting in the lane at times and just, you know, he missed a couple of bunnies. He should have hit a couple of them. Uh, but you know, uh, we'll see what happens because I mean, at least, you know, Brad Davison said, you know, the, the message was, you know, and Davison said this at the end of the, you know, uh, at the end of the press conference that, you know, they were looking at, you know, he said that, you know, they'd rather beat that the Spartans, next week which is the big 10 tournament and that's what it could happen because wisconsin's number nine facing the number eight seed maryland which will be for those who don't know it's noon eastern time big 10 network uh on thursday march 1st 11 a.m central standard time and the winner of that game will go on to face number one ranked michigan state and by number one i mean number one in the conference uh, in the tournament rankings so and that'll be like an 11 a.m 
tip off on BTN on Friday. So it could happen uh, for that matter. But let's not get ahead of ourselves because we we need to talk about Maryland and Wisconsin. Obviously, Maryland, uh, Wisconsin losing on the road, you know, in Maryland earlier this year. But I feel like this could be this, Wisconsin could be a somewhat dangerous team in this tournament and not just somewhat they can be a dangerous team, but they have to, you know, continue what they've been doing, you know, less turnovers, uh, getting that production out of not just Hap, but Iverson defensively Pritzel continuing his, his hot hand from the field too. Uh, you know, but Wisconsin, you know, I would say Maryland, it's a, it would be a, I don't know if it, I don't know if I should call it an upset if Wisconsin beats Maryland because just the way they've been playing and, and winning four of their last six, I think this team is now in a position where they can make some noise in this tournament at least that first day, you know the first full day on, on Thursday. I mean it, it, it's still an upset if Wisconsin beats Maryland. Maryland is well I I think Wisconsin will win. I think Maryland is rated higher than the Badgers. Before we get into that game too much. Let's talk real quick about uh, the first day of the Big Ten tournament featuring Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, and Rutgers, who is New York's <laughs> Big Ten team. So this game, these games are being played at Madison Square Garden, and I'm going to set the over-under on people attending at 4,000, and I'm taking <laughs> the under because there is zero chance that anybody in New York City is paying money, like real U.S. money, to go see Illinois play <laughs> Iowa at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Holy you know, crap, did Jim Delaney overplay his hand with this one. I, I don't know <laughs> when they're going to go back to New York. I think this tournament, like the semifinals or whatever on Saturday and the finals on Sunday will probably be well attended. But I, they need to be doing this stuff in Indianapolis and Chicago. Uh, yeah. It's it's not it's nonsense to be out east like that. Yeah, no, it's a... You understand why, obviously. It's Madison Square Garden. But the Big East has that, right? So there's no way that that's – I mean, I don't know what the contract is that runs that tournament, you know, through however much. You know, I, I have to look that up. But you understand why they want to do it. They want to make a big splash on that East Coast. But I don't – let's be honest. You know, it, you know, having it in Chicago or Indianapolis where everyone can come together. There's that one sign that was on Twitter – or from the Big Ten, so talking about like all the cities and how far they have to travel, or how many miles them away, and you're seeing how far like Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota have to travel. All and the didn't way it out say there. something like this is the center of the Big Ten universe, but then every <laughs> sign except one was pointed west? Yeah. Like, how can that be the center of anything? Just a bit outside. Right. Uh, it, <laughs> so yeah. So no, I agree. It's a this will be a it'll be interesting interesting to see and you know that there's that one article that came out i forgot which are i this is i feel bad for not preparing on this end but the they had that one article talking about delaney saying that hey you know realize this condensed schedule isn't great uh won't be like this you know it sounds like it won't be that like that going forward uh, but we'll see what what happens uh, when it comes to that. But uh, other, you know, let's let's talk. You know, since we're gonna, this is probably a drop on Wednesday night. Uh, give me your predictions for Iowa, you know, Iowa Illinois, uh, which will be the 4:30 Central game on Wednesday. So it will already oh, be gosh. completed by the time this drops. Uh, and then 
Rutgers, Minnesota. <laughs> Do we even predict this? Um, this is this is great podcasting right here. Yeah, I'm, Let's, I'm uh, <laughs> here, here's what here's what's gonna happen, Jake. Let me tell you what's gonna happen on Wednesday night. Uh, there are more letters in Illinois than there are in Iowa, so the Illini win that one. And uh, <laughs> by the same strategy, Minnesota will beat Rutgers in the uh, the nightcap there. To all the New York City Rutgers faithful, I'm sorry, but it's going to be a short run at Madison Square Garden for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, okay. All right. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so then heading into this, uh, you know, let's, let's talk uh, how far how far does Wisconsin go? Is it is Look, it just a one and done where they where they lose, you know, where they they upset Maryland and then they put up a good fight against Michigan State ultimately for the Spartans to to overrun them and, and their season ends on Friday night or Friday afternoon or yeah, it'll be Friday afternoon if it would end. Yeah, I I think this this season in college basketball has been really weird. Uh like Auburn was ranked highly and Texas Tech has been ranked highly. These are schools that I'm assuming most people didn't even know had basketball teams. So I think something weird is going to happen in the Big Ten tournament, but not so weird that like Wisconsin is going to, to do it. I, I think the Badgers will beat Maryland, and then I think they will die admirably against Michigan State, losing by, you know, five or something, four. And then I predicted this. I, I wrote it down in an article posting on Bucky's fifth quarter later this week, but uh, I think the right amount of crazy for this Big Ten tournament is Nebraska to win the Big Ten tournament. So take that <laughs> to the bank. Yeah, that, that'll that be very interesting to see how it plays out. I, I do like Tim Miles, to say the least. I think we talked about it last week. You like Tim Miles. Yeah, he's a swell guy. He is swell. Did you see the uh, the tweets that he had regarding the Ken Palm rankings at, during certain times of the year? Uh, I found those to be uh, earlier this year. Wait, you're not on Twitter anymore. You don't. I can't even pub your Twitter handle anymore because uh, you're not on it as much. Uh, but yeah, he had a good joke about just the projections throughout the year, uh, and now they're a 20 game winning program, uh, which is uh, they're now a as we discussed last week a basketball school. Uh, yeah, that's so, very true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll go, oh, go ahead. Speaking of Ken Palm, I'm really happy that this season is almost over because I hate having to scroll so far down to find the Badgers when I log into that website. Like it used to be you would log in and, oh, there's that red bar right there, Wisconsin, in the top ten. And now it's like, Wisconsin, are they even in D1 anymore? And so I also can't keep my sports app in the top 25 setting anymore. It has to be on Big Ten or else the Badgers won't show up. Ugh. It's hard times for Badger fans. Yep, until at least next year. And so we'll see what happens there. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, there's like I said, they, I've seen crazy things happen. We've seen UConn do it before, back, you know, winning a bunch of games and you can get into the, you know, clinching automatic bid. I mean, if they would, if Wisconsin would do it, I'm not saying it would be a miracle because they played Michigan State tough. I think they could play – in all likelihood, Michigan or Nebraska, uh, whoever comes out of that game, they I think they could play them tough too, or tough and close. Uh, and then you know, the only team I'd be kind of fearful of would be Ohio State. I mean, Purdue probably wants revenge, and they would probably get out to a huge lead because it's uh, and and that energy that was in, at the Kohl Center was what you know it was huge uh, on Frank Kaminsky night. So I don't know if they could replicate that, but 
you know, we've seen crazy things happen. Wisconsin, if they're not running on fumes by that Sunday uh, on that 3.30 p.m. Central Time tip-off. I mean, I've seen crazy things happen before, but, yeah, you know, I'll go Purdue out of this. I think they have uh, the most complete team. Maybe Michigan State. No, I'll, I'll go Purdue. I like Purdue out of this. Uh, I do like the length of Michigan State. I think both teams, uh, one of those teams will win. I think I'll go Boilermakers uh, to see uh, the Hammer and Rails folks. To, to circle back, uh, they call it a callback in the comedy game to see the Dakota Matthias, uh, you know, fan club uh, rejoice. The Dakota Matthias Truthers is, yes, what, is uh, what they are. Well, yeah, yeah, Dakota Matthias Truthers. Uh, you know, all of a sudden that they get their their kudos, their their revenge with a, a game-winning three from him to clinch it. So uh, yeah, I'll go that route against the Spartans. So it'll be great, Drew. Where else can people find you for that world-famous website that you don't give discounts for? Uh, I mean, you can find me in the library looking for Dakota Matthias's long-form <laughs> stat line before I put him on any sort of all-conference team. <laughs> uh, Drew, as always, my good man. Great talking with you on the Big Roast. Always delivering. Uh, thank you again, my good man. Thank you, Jake. All right, folks. We're going to wrap up today's show with another part of our 2018 spring football position previews and again we got john veldheis from badgerblitz.com on and john we talked about outside linebackers a little earlier and now we're going to look at a position maybe not just yesterday it was just like yesterday wasn't it i know it was uh and uh we are looking now at wide receivers and it is a, a obviously a position that's Right now, you could call it an embarrassment maybe of riches just because you have a too deep of contributors that coming up in the season in the fall uh, with the healthy Quintus Cephas that could be dynamic for an offense that now there's going to be a lot of expectations with Alex Hornibrook, Jonathan Taylor, and those four wide receivers along with uh, returners at the offensive line and, and Alec Ingle, that fullback. But, you know, let's, let's head right into it, right, where – First down, you know, in this four-down territory format we have for this position previews. And, again, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the incoming freshmen uh, that aren't early enrollees here. Uh, and, and, I mean, right now we're looking at, by the way, Taj, Taj Mustafa, uh, who enrolled early, along with uh, – right now he's designated as an athlete, Aaron Cruikshank. Uh, though when you see him on his huddle tape with the ball in his hands, you, you have to – at least assume that he'd go wide receiver. We'll see though, obviously when the official rosters come out, we don't have them yet. Uh, but you know, this general overview, you know, first down who, you know, gone are jazz PV and George rushing who really did not contribute at all last year, rushing due to that injury and in jazz. Uh, you saw the UW, you know, I mean, you saw the updates throughout the year where, you know, he basically was off the team. Uh, and you saw Mike Lucas article back right after the orange bowl saying he left the team in September. So, you know, but now in the place, you know, the experience grew with Quintez Stevens. And, you know, if you would have told me, by the way, John, if Wisconsin would have lost rushing jazz PB and Quintez Stevens for part, most of the seasons, you know, or, you know, a significant portion of it. And then you had to rely on, you know, AJ Taylor, Danny Davis, you know, uh, Kendrick Pryor, you know, I I would have been skeptical about how effective that offense could have been heading into next, you know, into last year. Now, 
you see, saw what they did, and they capped off their season with a huge Orange Bowl, uh, for, you know, especially with Taylor and, and Pryor and in uh, Davis and what they did, uh, especially Davis with those three th- touchdown receptions. Uh, but you know, what's your general overview of this position group heading into the 2018 fall camp or not fall I mean, camp, like spring camp? The I mean, you kind of touched on it before. I mean, I, I don't know how they stack up compared to um, you say the, the rest of the, the wide receiver groups um, in the, in the nation. But uh, this, this definitely feels like an embarrassment of riches when you're talking about recent Wisconsin football history. Um, they're bringing back a lot of talent to this group and they're adding, you know, you were touching on it before, but they're adding, you know, by by the time uh, fall camp rolls around, they will add. We're thinking for uh, more scholarship guys to that room, and you know, there's not a senior, uh, you know, among them. I mean, uh, Quintez Sivas and AJ Taylor are both going to be juniors, um, and with uh, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor is, is in their sophomore seasons of eligibility. I mean, this is a this is a young and very talented, and also you know, kind of um, you know, decently experienced group. I mean, uh, Sivas was in the midst of a, a breakout season um, playing in, I, I believe it was nine games uh, before he uh, had a, an injury, uh, I guess a, a broken leg or something like that. And Wisconsin's game against Indiana. And I guess the, the, what was more surprising is that, you know, Wisconsin's passing game, I, I think, and I was probably guilty of this. I, I kind of thought that without Cephas down the stretch, that their passing game would kind of fall off a cliff a little bit, but it really didn't. I mean, uh, they may do with Danny Davis and AJ Taylor and you know, getting Kendrick Pryor back uh, from um, his, uh, his kind of slow start to the season after he was in a, a moped accident in fall camp. Um, you know, they, they really made the most of it and they're going to reap the benefits of it uh, in this season. And, you know, things like in, in 2019 as well too. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about Cephas and with this group, too, you know, there's an article by the uh, by Jeff Patrikas, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel had mentioned uh, back in late December that, you know, Cephas's goal is to be healthy enough to at least do individual work during spring practice. And we'll see uh, just how far he's progressed from that injury suffered so late in the year against Indiana. And, you know, you now have, you know, heading into that second down. And, and this is, uh, you know, the big names to watch. I mean, I think it's this is the easy one, right? I mean, it's, it's looking at Pryor. It's looking at Davis and Taylor and just seeing how much more rapport they can build with Alex Hornibrook. Or, you know, am I right? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, the um, for the, the season overall, it's definitely Cephas, I, I think. Um, I, and, you know, I remember watching him go through um, spring camp last year and, you know, just being so impressed with you know, how he was, uh, you know, competing in practice and going up and getting balls over the middle and down the field. And he became a, um, you know, a red zone target uh, for the Badgers to use. And, you know, a- any work that Cephas can get this spring is, is going to be good for him. I mean, I don't, I don't think he has to get into uh, – into doing team reps to have a productive spring for himself, but just, you know, working his way back and getting physically ready for the fall is, you know, the, the top priority for him. And, you know, in, in a way, I mean, you know, to, to be clear, the badge would prefer that, you know, Cephas were fully healthy and able to go through, um, go through camp. But, you know, if he is just limited to individual work, I mean, that opens up a lot of reps where you can get, uh, AJ Taylor and Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, you know, all of them consistent reps with that first team. And so I think, 
it, it's really hard to to separate who I think is going to be you know the the major guy to watch you know say out of that group of four just because I think all four you know if you you know think about Cephas as you know anything that he can do this spring is you know is going to be a positive for him and then those the rest of those three you know I think are going to get um, you know a a big benefit from working consistently with that first team and developing more chemistry with Hornbrook like what you were saying. Absolutely. And we're here with John Veldheis from BadgerBlitz.com, the Rivals.com network here on Bucky's fifth podcast. And, you know, you're just looking at it, too. I mean, I'm looking at these stats from last year. You know, A.J. Taylor was actually second on the team in receptions at, with when Cephas went down. Uh, or, you know, once Cephas went down uh, overall, 14 games played, 31 receptions, 475 yards and five touchdowns. Danny Davis, uh, the big play target, 16 yards per, per catch and, and five touchdowns, including those three in the Orange Bowl. And, and you know, Kendrick Pryor was used both as a – uh, you know, a, a receiving threat, but also, you know, two rushing touchdowns uh, that really helped change the complexion of the games in both the Iowa win and then also against Michigan. So, uh, you know, I, this, that comes to our third down, you know, who to watch out of this group. And, you know, we, we talked about those those three, you know, the playmakers along with Quintez uh, and what they could bring there. Uh, but, you know, another name I'm watching out of this group, you know, who to watch, I'm kind of watching what the redshirt sophomore, you know, the, well, well, not redshirt sophomore, will be the redshirt freshman that, uh, for the would-be redshirt freshman in the likes of Cade Green. And I'm also want to see, you know, Emmett Perry. And to an extent, Sam Delaney. I talked to a couple of the players last year, uh, you know, at the end of the year. And, and just seeing, you know, I think Delaney will walk on. You know, they noted some of the athleticism. I even remember one of the players talking about uh, Delaney having athleticism, you know, during media day right before fall camp started. So, I mean, I think those are maybe Delaney's more of a sleeper for our fourth down. But, you know, I'm intrigued to see, you know, some of those younger players, you know, and Adam Krumholtz, you know, uh, how they progress. You know, who would you be looking for outside of those those big three or big four? I'm, I guess, uh, going back to the redshirt freshman, um, I, I'm kind of curious to see what uh, Deron Harrell looks like, you know, assuming he's, uh, still a wide receiver after they uh, he enrolled early uh, last spring and uh, you know he with with a good couple guys above him um, and above the redshirt freshman just in general I feel like reps are are going to be kind of few and far between especially on that first team but um, Harold when he was on the field with somebody that kind of stood out to me uh, in a couple practices last year and it it, it kind of goes back to you know some stuff we were talking about before but. You know, after spending a year in the program, um, you know, going through your second spring, you know, this is really a chance to show, you know, your teammates and, and your position coach, um, kind of what you what you've done and grown uh, in, or, and how you've grown in a year or so. Um, and so, I guess Harold is probably the guy that I'm going to be, uh, you know, keeping an eye on. You know, not to say that I'm not going to be watching the other redshirt freshmen. Uh, I, I, in particular, I think Kate Green is somebody that could. Um, be an interesting, you know, option for the Badgers as somebody that maybe carves out a, a small role um, at some point. I feel like he could be a an interesting kind of uh, slot receiver for the Badgers uh, down the line. But it, the thing with the Wisconsin offense is that, you know, with uh, the way that they divide up the, their run and pass uh, kind of splits, uh, there's there's only so many targets and catches that are that are going to go around. And so really, once you get past those three or four guys at the top, I mean, it's going to be hard for, for somebody to carve out a role. But, you know, maybe this is the, you know, the time 
in the spring where you, know, you can see those sparks of, um, you know, maybe future potential or a chance for somebody to, you know, maybe contribute on special teams as a returner or, you know, in, in coverage or, or something like that. So I guess that's what I'm going to be watching. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I remember if I'm not mistaken, I think Cade Green was taking back punts before that injury early in camp yep. kind of knocked him out. So, you know, yep. that's one possibility for Cade. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, maybe this is my, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Deron Harrell, who, you know, could be, definitely, I didn't mean to exclude him by any stretch uh, there, but, uh, you know, even with the Jack Dunn, I think, on special teams, I know he, uh, depending upon what he could do, I know he was listed as the, the backup punt returner to, to Nick Nelson later on in the year. Uh, and, and so I, you know, I guess that leads us to the fourth down. Who's your sleeper pick out of this group uh, that is so deep and that you feel that could make a big jump, uh, you know, towards, uh, you know, a good spot in fall camp? I mean, I, I guess I feel like I'm kind of cheating. Um, <laughs> but uh, with I, I really think Kendrick Pryor is a really good athlete. And, you know, obviously he's, uh, you know, he's kind of shown what he can do as both a uh, a you know, a pass catcher and um, getting the ball in those jet sweeps and, uh, you know, everything like that. And I, he was having a good fall camp last year before he was in that moped accident. And I'm kind of curious to see what his season would have looked like uh, for the Badgers overall if he had, you know, been healthy and hadn't had to kind of work his way back from that. Um, you know, with – and it, it goes back to kind of what I've been talking about before with, you know, there, there's only so many – um, reps that you can you can spread around in the Wisconsin offense, you know, from a passing um, standpoint. But I think that Pryor's ability to contribute on the ground as a um, you know a runner in you know off of those jet sweep plays and packages, I think that really opens up an opportunity for him to carve out a a unique role that say, um, you know, really Quintus Cephas and Danny Davis and AJ Taylor. Yeah. I feel like, I think if I'm, if I remember correctly, all three of those guys have, you know, gotten chances or, you know, looks, whether it's in camp or in games on those plays, but prior has definitely been the most effective. And you know, to have a skill set that differentiates you from, you know, the, the rest of your um, group at the position, um, I think that's going to be really valuable for prior and, you know, even if, say, Quintus Cephas and A.J. Taylor and Danny Davis, you know, kind of suck up all of those targets and reps, um, if they stay above prior in the depth chart, I, I still feel like prior is somebody that will uh, make an impact just from having a, a role that nobody else has. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great call out. And I think, you know, you see what he, especially what he did, like in those games uh, against the Hawkeyes and the Wolverines and just that ability, right. it, it should be, it should be really interesting to see what, Paul Chris does and you know and you have I mean at both running back and we, we talked about running back last week with Jason Galloway but you know we talked with you know the, the depth they have at running back the depth they have wide receiver and, you, know, and you gave Galloway the easy one <laughs> I did have him do safeties so I mean that was something to okay. have him sink his teeth into I promise you on that uh <laughs> try and try to dig in and see who could possibly make an impact there uh for for Jim Leonard's uh <laughs> for Jim Leonard's position group there but you know it's it's honestly I you know I feel like I mean obviously injuries happen you saw it happen and with throughout this position group too so I you know my sleeper I guess I'll say you know I think it may be green where you know it's it's one of those things where maybe they use him in the slot you saw in his tape and 
high school that he was a, a nasty blocker, which you saw, you know, I remember Ted Gilmore saying that he was going to bring some much needed toughness to that position group, which is something already because, you know, Quintus Cephas was blocking already really well as a true freshman. Right. Uh, and, and so, I mean, my ears perked up saying, okay. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, if he can fill a role in the slot too, uh, I think that could be something. I'm also just intrigued. I don't know much about Emmett Perry in terms of just what he could produce. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he, uh, what a year, uh, you know, learning the offense. And I remember AJ T- Taylor saying that, you know, the, the players, you know, the like, like Green and Perry and whatnot, like some of those younger players were still learning that offense and still getting comfortable so i want to see how well they they progress heading into you know the spring ball then taking that into fall camp but john what else uh, i mean we saw you know well, let's, let's uh backtrack before i tell before i uh break down what's coming up on badgerblitz.com with your position previews on the site uh big recruiting weekend eh? uh where you had some commits come in you had some in-state uh, kids and, and and whatnot it seemed like a, a pretty uh, i don't know if it from what it sounded like from on uw's and it wasn't like an official junior day junior day but a lot of commits uh, or four, at least four commits possibly and then uh some in-state kids coming in to uh take in madison yeah i think the the big uh takeaway that i had is something that went up on our site from uh one of our national writers is just uh this is a big weekend for the Badgers to get uh, um, Graham Mertz uh, on campus and uh, to get him, uh, you know, just some face-to-face time with Paul Christ and, and John Budmeyer. And uh, you know, he hadn't been up on campus um, since uh, before he committed, and his recruitment has really uh, blown up uh, since he uh, since he committed to the Badgers last year. And you know, for him to have a, a multi-day visit and to uh, you know, to, to come away from it, uh, still feeling, you know, really solid, his commitment to Wisconsin. I mean, like, I know, you know, um, he, this is a, uh, a recruitment that's going to make Badgers fans, I think, uh, kind of nervous for the next, you know, six months, however long it is until uh, the next, uh, signing period. But with, uh, with how much attention and, you know, hard work the Badgers have put into his recruitment, I, I feel like after reading that article that uh, our national site put up on him, that uh, I think Badgers fans should feel pretty good about where they're at with uh, with Mertz right now. Yeah, make sure you guys – I have a BadgerBlitz.com subscription. Grab one. It's honestly you – know, you see what John Veldheis does. You see what John McNamara does. And, and just what you guys produce on the site is great. Uh, it's a great daily research, resource just to check in and see what's going on uh, you know, in the world of recruiting, both basketball and football. And, and tell us what's going on. To end the show, tell us what's coming up on BadgerBlitz.com. I saw a quarterback preview uh, put up yesterday. Mm-hmm. And what else do you got coming? Coming up as we count down the days to spring football. Well, uh, basketball season is not quite over yet, so I, I had something that went up uh, tonight about uh, the, the basketball team as they get ready to uh, take on Maryland on Thursday for their first uh, game of the Big Ten tournament. They still feel like they, as Brad Davison said after their loss to Michigan State, they still feel like they have a lot of uh, basketball left in them. So. We'll see if they can make a run uh, in New York City. And then, as you mentioned, yeah, the uh, spring position previews are starting to go up. So I've got quarterbacks up right now. Uh, running backs will go up uh, early tomorrow morning, which is Wednesday. And we'll have them uh, every couple of days or so until they start up in the middle of March. 
Big thanks again to John Veldheis, BadgerBlitz.com, Rivals.com, jumping on the show, breaking down, obviously, two key positions for the Wisconsin Badgers, wide receiver, and then at the beginning of the show, outside linebackers. Again, having Drew Hom on the show, spitting fire with the big roast. Big thanks to him for making time for our weekly segment there. And, of course, Owen Reese, who... Uh, had a you know take a take a look at his video on Twitter right 27 bench uh, 27 reps on 225 for the bench press showing how it's done and uh, big thanks for him for Owen coming on talking about the Wisconsin Badgers that will be on TV in front of hundreds of NFL personnel thousands millions on TV this weekend at the NFL scouting combine and uh, make sure you guys check that out check back next week but and by the way before i even let you guys go apologies we did not get a chance to talk to Orlando tucker like we were supposed to uh, there's just some scheduling uh modifications that prohibited us from talking with Orlando, but we hope to have him on the show soon uh next week we're gonna have a lot again we'll probably talk some nfl combine what happened to the likes of troy fumagalli Garrett Dooley, Leon Jacobs, the Trail Jamerson, Nick Nelson, and also see how much Jack Sitchie put up uh, on the bench press too. Uh, so we'll talk about that, but then also we'll look at women's hockey. We may, we're probably going to do a separate podcast just on the, uh, Wisconsin's women, Wisconsin women hockey, women's hockey, and just how how they've done this year. They have the final faceoff uh, up in uh, Minneapolis this weekend for the WCHA. Make sure you're there. Uh, Bob Whedon, uh, Whedonhoft will be there for Bucky's fifth quarter covering it. And so make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. And uh, so we'll hopefully have him and Nicole Hazian. Also hoping to have a 2019 Wisconsin verbal commit for football on the show. That will be a fun conversation. We're hoping, obviously, we'll release that name early next week. But on that note, I'll leave that little teaser there. Make sure you guys subscribe to us on this very long podcast. Apologies for 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 the lot, a lot of content, but this is just too much to pass up this week with so much going on. Uh, on that note, uh, make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play, subscribe on Tune or like it on TuneIn, or subscribe or listen on there too. So uh, please be sure to give us ratings. We got five of them so far for the five star. We love you guys for that. Tell us what we can do better as well. We want to make sure this is your home for Wisconsin athletics uh, in a podcast form. So on that note, this is Jay Kokorowski. Guys, take care. Have a great week ahead. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week on Bucky's Fit Podcast.